Amen. Amen. Are y'all ready for the truth? Ready for the truth. All right. I like that. You know, the truth is, is that uh, we are truly in need of some great leadership in our nation today. We need some great leadership in our nation. We're in the middle of a leadership drought. And we need some great godly leadership also in our marriages. Um, Wives, please encourage your husband in uh, his godly leadership role in the home, which will also result in great leadership in our homes, which is what we need. See, we live in a day of crisis, I want to say also in church leadership. You know, the church in America needs some great leaders. And I just want to say this, I'm just going to lay this out there. If you're not planning on putting the time or energy into becoming or being a great leader in the church, then please step aside and let someone else who wants to be a leader and wants to become a great leader lead. Because, you know, we have this this dearth, we have this drought of leadership, and we need people to step up and be great leaders in what they're doing and right where they are, right where God has placed them. And I just want to set this out here on the table as well. You know, the statistics on sexual misconduct among pastors and staff ministers is staggering. Sexual misconduct. We've seen in newspaper headlines in the recent past about sexual misconduct and abuses in the church, even within our own denomination. But here's the sad part. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody wants to admit that that goes on. But on February 10th, 2019, the Houston Chronicle and the San Antonio Express News, after examining hundreds of court records and testimony from over 20 states, they reportedly found 380 credibly accused clergy, lay leaders, and volunteers within Southern Baptist-affiliated churches who had faced allegations of sexual misconduct, leaving about 700 victims. And this was in... Uh, 19, since 1998. Of these cases, about 220 had been convicted. 380, 220 had been convicted of sex crimes or received deferred prosecutions and plea deals, and more than 90 remain in prison and another 100 are still registered sex offenders. The reason I bring these statistics up is because I'm not going to stick my head in the sand and say it doesn't exist when it does. Because it's the truth. I don't like it any more than you do. By the way, here at Memorial, um, we are being proactive. And under the leadership of Hannah Watts, we are uh, currently implementing a program called Ministry Safe. And uh, Ministry Safe is a specialized training for staff and volunteers to protect protect children and those who teach them. And so if you want more info about what we're doing on that, you can go to the website ministrysafe.com and see what that's all about. But uh, we're going to be implementing that here at our church. And so I asked the question, is it any wonder that our churches lack God's blessing? Is it any wonder that our churches lack God's blessing? See, it's crucial for us to understand, it's crucial for us to implement the biblical requirements for spiritual leadership in our churches. 
And I want you to understand something. God may call you into a leadership position. God may call you to pastor a church. (laughs) Think about this. God may indeed be calling some of you into pastoral ministry. I had no idea when I was 22. I had no idea when I was 30 that God was going to call me into the ministry. But yet here I am. I'm 56 years old and I'm in the ministry. I had no idea. My point is this, is you need to, you need to be diligent to develop the, the qualities needed in your life now. Don't wait until that time. Do the things that you need to be doing to cultivate a relationship with Jesus Christ. Be consistent and be faithful in that because you never know how God wants to use you in his kingdom. And while this message this morning is pointed more <laughs> at me, maybe than some of you, for those who are in pastoral ministry, but I want to submit to you that it's for every one of us. Because each one of us, we are all priests to one another. We are all priests in our home. We all should be spiritual leaders to others at work, at home, in our church, and in our community. So we all have that obligation to be priests to one another. So I I want to give this to you this morning that it's vital for every believer, every Christian to know (laughs) what to look for in a pastor. What to look for in a pastor. You know, people these days, we talk about, they they swap churches and they're, they're church shopping because we're all consumers. And we, we, we do it like we're going to the grocery store, like we're going to Target or somewhere else. You know, we, 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 we shop churches that way. You know, along with the, more, the matter of moral purity, there are some individuals in pastoral ministry today out there who simply do not meet the biblical requirements for being in spiritual leadership. And if you place yourself, as you're shopping for churches, if you place yourself and your family under the leadership of these types, it could be spiritually devastating. Here's what I mean. People join churches these days for all kinds of flimsy reasons. I mean, sometimes they join a church because they, they like the feeling they get when they go in there. They're, they're, they're following their feeling rather than the truth and, the, and, and facts. Okay, they, they, they join because they like the feeling they get or maybe they find the music entertaining or uplifting or maybe they like the pastor's personality or sense of humor or maybe they like the youth activities. That are there for their children and, and, and their youth. And, and often they, they join because maybe their best friends go to that church. Or maybe a family member goes to that church. So they go along to, to worship with them. But strangely, they usually don't consider what the pastor is teaching. Or what the pastor is pouring into their lives and the spiritual direction that the pastor is, te- is taking them. That's usually not the the, the defining factor, but I think it should be because truth is truth. And I I love this because when I think about this, you know, we look at Malachi and and we're in the book of Malachi. We're going to be in chapter two today, but 
God is calling the priests of Malachi's day out. Those who were spiritual leaders in among God's people was the ones he was addressing this to. And he's saying, y'all need to get your act together because I'm going to replace you. I'm going to take you out of your position of leadership. I'm going to put you on the side and I'm going to put someone else in there that will teach and preach my word. Read with me, if you will, what, what God says uh, to us and to uh, those in Malachi's day. Chapter two of Malachi. If you have your scripture and want to open up there, that would be great. We'll read it along. We're going to read down through verse nine. Uh, chapter two, beginning in v- verse one, down through verse nine. And it says, and now this commandment is for you, O priests. If you do not listen, And if you do not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. And indeed, I have cursed them already because you are not taking it to heart. Behold, I'm going to rebuke your offspring and I will spread refuse on your faces, the refuse of your feasts, and you will be taken away with it. Verse four, then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant may be, may continue with Levi, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him as an object of reverence. So he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth and unrighteousness was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many back from iniquity. From the lips of a priest should, for the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge, and men should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But as for you, you have turned aside from the way, you have caused many to stumble by the instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. So I have, I also have made you despised and abased before all the people, just as you are not keeping my ways, but are showing partiality in the instruction. Loving father, I pray that you would just open your word to our hearts and minds. Father, that you would show us what you desire for us to know today. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the sacrifice of your life on Calvary, on the cross, for each one of us. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to guide us and to discern the truth in each one of our lives. Father, I pray that we would humbly repent of those things in our lives that aren't right, that we know are in rebellion to you. And Father, I pray that you would guide us into that time of repentance. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So he tells us here what we need to look for in spiritual leaders. And these verses were aimed at uh, the spiritual lackadaisical, the lazy, (laughs) the apathetic priests. You know, in the Old Testament, the priests were the spiritual leaders of God's people. And now in the church age, Jesus has fulfilled and superseded the Levitical priesthood. He is our great high priest. 
Jesus is our great high priest and, and all believers are priests under him. And God now has entrusted leadership in the local church to overseers, to pastors, to elders who are to shepherd his flock. And among those elders are, some are to focus on preaching and teaching God's word. And they're called pastor teachers in Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. And their responsibility is to equip God's saints for the the work of ministry. My job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that that we can minister to those in our community and around us. See, and in that role, we should carry the work that these priests should have been doing in Malachi's day. And to sum this up, the prophet shows us that a spiritual leader, a spiritual leader must honor God by walking with him and teaching his truth or they will incur God's discipline. If I don't do what God is asking me to do, then I will incur his discipline. He has the right to move us wherever he wants us. He has the right to to put us in that position or to take us away from that position if we're not being obedient to what he's asking us to do. Because he is God. You know, last week in in our passage, uh, I said one of the areas that uh, the priests needed repentance was in the area of their worship. And building on that today, a second area uh, where repentance was needed was in their, their leadership. And I want to say, if we're going to apply this, we have to put our in there, our worship, our leadership. Okay. So repentance was needed in their slash our leadership. The, the priests were addressed that were addressed in this passage. They were, they were appointed by the Lord. And, and, uh, I, I love this because they were appointed by the Lord to lead his people. But unfortunately, what they were doing was completely opposite of God's plan. They were allowing anything and everything to take place in the temple. They hadn't separated themselves. They hadn't done what they were supposed to do. It was 180 degrees out from what God asked them to do. The entire passage is a direct call from God for repentance. And it begins with the leadership. See, repentance means that we are going in one direction and we turn 180 degrees and we go in the opposite direction toward God. That's what repentance means. Going from one way, one direction, going back the other direction toward God. Repenting, moving in a way towards Him, turning around, uh, turning away from sin and toward God. So consider the contrast between the sinful practices of the priests in Malachi's day and the worthy example of the priest Levi. We think about this. Levi here represents both Levi, the son of Jacob, but also his sons who became the first priests in Israel. And because God loved Israel so much, because God loved his people, he wanted them to have the right kind of leaders. He wasn't going to allow uh, shabby leadership among his people. But notice here the leadership that fails. And in verses 1 through 3 in our passage here in chapter 2, and then verses 8 and 9, you know, when you read those, it's talking about leadership that fails. I mean, the Lord gave a strong rebuke 
to those leaders who failed to measure up to his standard. He wasn't just letting them go and continuing on, but notice that their failure was a failure to give glory to God. They were not giving God the glory. They were not speaking the truth. They were kind of shooting from the hip and making it up as they went. And you know what? When you're leading others, that can be spiritually devastating. Nobody wants that kind of leadership. He says here the, the phrase, they, they did not honor his name. They, they did not take it to heart to give honor to my name. And that expresses the ultimate purpose of all leaders of God's people, that we are to give honor to God and to what he does. You see, the Lord called for the priests to honor him from their hearts, but they refused. And this is their basic failure as priests. They didn't honor God. They failed to give God glory. Secondly, their failure was to receive favor from God. (laughs) I mean, three times he uses the word curse uh, in this, and it occurs to describe God's punishment, his punishment for the disobedient priest. Rather than blessing them as he longed to, he turned their blessings into a curse. And because they were not being obedient, they were not doing the things. He said they turned from the way in verse 8 and they violated their covenant relationship with God and that brought his judgment. See, God's discipline. Understand, church family, that God's discipline is an expression of his love. Even if it might seem severe, his discipline is an expression of his love. By cursing their blessings, the Lord is referring to either taking away their material blessing, such as food or covering or possessions, or making these otherwise good things seem like a curse. I mean, think about this. If you are obedient to the Lord, the things that he puts in your hands, the possessions, the health, a peaceful life, those are blessings from God to be enjoyed thankfully. But if you continue and disregard God, what happens is those same things can be a curse because they become the source of your contentment rather than God. See, when we are obedient, we find our contentment in Him. And when we're not, we find our contentment in something else and something else will inevitably let us down. Because your money will run out. Your friends will run out. All of the other things that you have that you think you have, you don't have because they are blessings from God. But when you disregard God, those blessings become curses because we look for our contentment in them. That's what he did. Thirdly, their failure They had a failure to continue as leaders because the Lord was determined to be faithful on his part. God is faithful. He made a covenant with Israel that he would raise up leaders for them. But when those leaders didn't do right, he took them out and he put new leaders in their place. And that's what he's doing here. He's he's faithful to his part of the covenant to say, I'm going to put faithful people in leadership. So these present leaders had to be replaced. Neither they nor their descendants who should have succeeded them would remain. But I want to get to the good news. They had judgment coming. 
They had failed in, the, in the, what God had given them to do. But I want to give you the leadership that succeeds. And here's the key. We find this in verses 5, 6, and 7. He says, my covenant was with him, with, with Levi, was one of life and peace. And I gave them to him as an object of reference, as an object of reverence. So he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth and unrighteousness was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and he turned many back from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge and men should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. I mean, God's covenant with Levi and the generation of priests that followed him is stated. It's clear here that this is the kind of leader that God wants to lead his people. He wants to bless them. It's another expression of his love for Israel. He wants what's best for them. Leadership that succeeds first has right worship. Right worship, honoring God. Honoring God. See, above all else, Levi is pictured as one who worshiped the Lord properly. Notice the statement in verse 5. My covenant was with him, with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him as an object of reverence, so he revered me and stood in awe of my name. He's giving glory to God. He's standing in awe of who God is. He is properly worshiping him. You know, last Sunday, we talked extensively about worship. And I want to just very quickly recap that. We talked about the worshiper's God, that his name represents his nature. And he is worthy of our worship. Almighty God is worthy of our worship. Amen? We also talked about the worshiper's gift, that God deserves priority over our possessions because it all belongs to him. He's the creator of all that is. And we also talked about the worshiper's heart. We must give our best to God. Catching a glimpse of his greatness. You know, catching just a glimpse of how great he is. See, success in spiritual leadership begins with right worship. Of having God in the right place. Being Allowing him to be the Lord of our life. We worship him in spirit and in truth. Secondly, I would say leadership that succeeds is not only about right worship, it's also about right words. I mean, in verse six and seven, it says true instruction was in his mouth and unrighteousness was not on his lips. Describe this this leader of Levi, his, 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 the task in terms of true instruction. I mean, that's how God describes it, true instruction. He has the right words. He's, he's giving honor to, to God, and the, the leader is described as the messenger of the Lord. So right worship leads to right words. Right worship leads to right words. And leaders, spiritual leaders, are to be teachers of truth. And we hear a lot of lies these days. They're everywhere. We don't even know who to trust. And what I'm saying is spiritual leaders ought to be teaching the truth. 
You ought to be able to take it to the bank. You ought to be able to put what the the spiritual leader says into practice. You should be able to trust that. A spiritual leader must honor God by teaching his truth. You know, sound teaching must flow out of a godly life. Out of right worship comes right words. What's inside comes out. If you have a love for God in your heart, if you are loving him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then that's going to come out your mouth. Has what has come out of your mouth lately, could that be, could that be considered right worship? Because you see, we fall short and we fall short a lot. The job of a pastor is faithfully and accurately to explain and apply God's word to his hearers. See, if it's in the text of scripture, (laughs) if it's in the text of scripture, I'm not free to skip over it or modify it or delete it, even if I know some people may be offended by it. We get offended about all kinds of things these days. Even if people get offended by it, I cannot skip over it. I cannot delete it or modify it. You know, although I disagree with some of his theology, I've long admired what I read about the famous theologian, Karl Barth. He was a pastor in Germany just prior to World War II. And when Hitler was fanning the flames of anti-Semitism, and and, uh, sadly, many professing Christians in Germany, they agreed with Hitler in regard to the Jews. And one Sunday, Barth was preaching on John 3.16, and he made the point that Jesus was a Jew, and he had died for all of the world, and that Jews were of the world. So anyone who loves Christ would not participate in the worldwide ill treatment of the Jews. Well, many in Barth's congregation got up and they walked out in disgust even before he finished his sermon. One even wrote a scathing letter denouncing his sermon. And Barth's reply was a single sentence. He said, it was in the text. It was in the text. It was in God's word. And that's exactly how you should evaluate any sermon. Did it come from the text of scripture? If it accurately explained and applied the, 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 the text in the context, in its context, and even if it stomps on your toes, it was a good sermon because it was God's word through his messenger. See, if a pastor does not teach the knowledge of God and his ways through the word of God, then you should find another pastor. You should get a pastor that will proclaim God's word, the truth of his word from his word. So you have right worship, you have right words, and you have a right walk. Here's a beautiful description of a successful leader's lifestyle. It says in verse six, he walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin, many from iniquity. See, close fellowship with God produces a leader that will accomplish what God's love has planned. God's love has planned for 
all of us to respond to him. Close fellowship with God produces a leader that will accomplish what God's love has planned. A spiritual leader must honor God by walking with him. Think about this. I want to follow somebody who's walking with God. I don't want to follow somebody who's walking out there on their own, in their own power. See, the primary requirement of a pastor teacher is not that they be a gifted communicator. It's not that they uh, be a gifted communicator, but rather one that walks closely with the Lord. (laughs) I love what John Calvin said. He said it would be better for the preacher to break his neck going into the pulpit if he does not take pains to be the first to follow God. I mean, God's word is clear that our major problem is not low self-esteem. Our major problem is not a poor environment. Our major problem is our sinful rebellion against the Lord of hosts because we want to do it our way. We're in rebellion against God. Any pastor who does not help you and help his people to deal biblically with their sin is not honoring God by teaching his truth. And that's one good reason for teaching straight through a book of the Bible instead of topical sermons. See, if I do topical sermons, if I preach those, uh, you may think that I'm singling out your issue. (laughs) You may say, well, he's been reading my mail. He's picking on me. I've actually had people think that, you know. Hey, he's, he's preaching just to me because he knows I'm in the congregation. No. No, I'm preaching what's next. I'm preaching what's in the text of God's word. You know, this is, this is important because if, if I'm working through the book of the Bible it, it, and it confronts a specific sin, then it's in the text. It's because that's what God's word is saying. Okay, I got to give you a spoiler alert now. <laughs> you know, in, in uh, about upcoming attractions in Malachi, um, next week we're going to deal with the sin of marrying unbelievers and the, the sin of divorce. So... If you got a problem with that, it's in the text. Your problem isn't with me. A couple of weeks later, we're going to be continuing in Malachi and we're going to get into the sin of robbing God by not faithfully giving to his work. Now, I wouldn't choose these topics if I was, you know, running a a popularity contest because people don't like their sin pointed out and we take it personal as well we should. We serve a personal God, but they're in the text. And if I'm a faithful pastor, I'll not skip over them. You know, Martin Luther, he, he said this, he said, always preach. You guys are going to just probably laugh about this. I hope you do anyway. Always preach in such a way that if the people listening do not come to hate their sin, they will instead hate you. I would much prefer you hate your sin. But if it's in the text, I have to preach it. So wrapping this up, let me just say this. Leadership can be summarized in one word. And that word is influence. Influence. Through God called leaders whose worship 
whose words and walk are right. Their godly influence allows followers to experience all the benefits of God's love and what it provides. So I say, follow the leader. Follow the leader, the leader who follows the Lord. If that's not where you are, then get somewhere where you can do that. Because we need great leadership in our churches. A.W. Tozier, I'll end with this one. He says, save me from the curse of compromise. Save me from the curse of imitation. Save me from the curse of professionalism. Save me from the error of judging a church by its size, by its popularity, or the amount of its yearly offerings. Help me to remember that I am a prophet, not a promoter. I'm not a religious manager, but a prophet. That is the essence of spiritual leadership, to honor God by walking with him and teaching his truth. In just a moment, our our worship team is going to come back up here and and they're going to lead us in in a couple more songs. But understand that right worship, right worship brings about right words and that brings about a right walk with God. But understand that we all fall short. We all fall short of God's blessing, of his desire, of his standard. We all fall short of that. No one is everything we ought to be apart from Jesus Christ. We all need the grace that comes through Jesus. And if we come to him in humility, in repentance, he will restore, he will redeem, he will heal our land. Now that we know what it takes, the question is, will we do it? Will we come to him in humility and repentance? Dad, it starts with you. You're the leader in the home. Many men today have abdicated their role as the spiritual leader in the home. And if that's you this morning, you need to repent of that. Mom, you need to to come alongside him. Wife, you need to come alongside him in that role. Allowing him to be that spiritual leader, that spiritual head. Young person, maybe you're here. What are you doing to honor God with your life, with your worship, with your words, with your walk? You never know who God is going to call to be his instrument. So prepare now as God's people. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for how you guide us. I thank you, Father, that you never leave us where you find us, but Father, that you are always equipping, that you are always uh, teaching and, and leading us deeper with you. Father, I pray that you would pour your spirit out upon your people and Father, that there would be a great repentance that would fall upon us, that that we would recognize we are not where we need to be as individuals, 
Father, that we are not where we need to be as, as believers in Jesus Christ, as we are not where we need to be as husband and wife. We are not where we need to be as the church. Father, we are definitely not where we need to be as a nation. But God, you are the one who can transform and, and heal that. You are the one who can redeem that. But Father, we have to take that first step. Father, we have to admit that we fall short. And I pray for a great humility, Father, that, that even this morning among this, this group here assembled today, worshiping you, Father, that we would surrender our lives to you. Father, that we would not be okay with just going through the motions. Father, that we would not be okay with being disobedient in what you ask us to do. Father, that we would be broken over that. That we would desire more of you and less of us. In a bland and tasteless world that is waiting for salt and light, I pray, Father, that you would use us to be that salt and light. And Father, as we tune our hearts to you, Father, that that unity would be astounding. Father, that we would find that sweet spot Father, that we would no longer be walking in fear, but God, that we would be walking in your love that you provide because of your son, Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, may we be clothed in his righteousness as the church, as your people. Guide us. Guide us to a time of humble repentance for your glory and for your honor. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.